Hey, guys. Huh. Check this out. Welcome to Check This Out, a podcast where we take an analytical view of the media that appeals to us as individuals and why. I'm L, your host, and with me today is special guest and enemy of the uh, enemy of the show, Sean. If you would, please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, hi, so my name is Sean. I'm a uh, librarian from New South Wales uh, in Australia, and I'm often called as a uh, as a librarian or uh, I used to in uh, previous jobs with uh, recommending media to people so I guess I'm sort of an expert uh, enemy of the show maybe yeah kind of the ringer yeah yeah the bring you in off the bench with a pinch hit look uh, I'm not going to say what happened to the guy who was meant to be here but um, you know we, we wish them all the best in a swift recovery yeah, and if you hear anything about it, no, you didn't. I I have never uh, I've never even uh, been to Darwin. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Uh, so you're bringing something to the table that you enjoy and are passionate about. Uh, could you talk a little bit about it in your own words? Yeah, sure. So uh, I. In a, in a way, I think this counts as the most recent uh, piece of media that's been on the show in that it is still an ongoing release. Uh, I am bringing the uh, visual novel in early access, Scarlet Hollow, uh, to uh, the show today. And that's a uh, mystery horror uh, visual novel uh, being released episodically by Abby Howard and Tony Howard Arias. And... It's a lot of fun. It is a very uh, wonderfully written and wonderfully illustrated uh, horror tale. And I think it's quietly one of the best uh, computer game releases of the last few years. And see, the thing I appreciate about that description is you pronounce horror correctly. Uh, Look, it's, uh, it's, it's something that only we Australians do understand. Yeah, I mean, and meaning no offence to absolutely no one who has previously been on the show. Uh, it is horror, not horror. Horror. Because that can get very uncomfortable questions at times. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, it's a terrific game. I've, um, I've been playing it a lot, and um, it's just something that I would love to share with more people, so... That's why I'm here. Hmm. And, like I've seen little bits and pieces of it from like the Kickstarter sort of funding and just being on Tumblr and whatnot. Mm. It, it does look interesting. Yeah, it's um, so. I mean, obviously, we'll get into this more in the uh, in the first question, but um, it's basically about. Um, Lots of different things in a way. They did this hilarious uh, how to describe the game in like an alignment grid, but it's uh, it's about um, the collapse of 
uh, mining communities and other similar small town America. And it's about uh, supernatural elements in the way that kind of folklore supernatural material appeals to us and why it speaks to us. Um, and it's got terrific characters. So it's it's a really uh, terrific series. Uh, cool. So I have, as you mentioned, my prepared list of questions that are designed to delve a bit deeper into that enjoyment of yours, if that's okay. Yeah, let's do it. Imagine if someone ever said no. Look, I, I mean, I, I'm really tempted. Like, let's, uh, you know, we can just say, no, I, I'm not pleased with questions. Let's just chat. But uh, I've, I've listened to your last few episodes. Frankly, the questions don't get in the way of that. Yeah, I know. I barely know what I'm doing. That makes two of us. <laughs> uh, so question one. Imagine that I was someone who's been recently awoken from a coma, resurrected from being frozen in ice, or even an inanimate object gifted knowledge of modern times and sentience. So essentially, I know what media is, but I have never personally experienced any. How would you explain Scarlet Hollow without comparing it to something I wouldn't know? Okay, uh, so as mentioned, just like ticking through the list, it is an episodic horror mystery visual novel. Uh, and the storyline to it, the premise, is that you play a character of your own creation. You get to choose your name, you get to choose your gender, and you get to choose uh, what are your strong points from a trait system where there's seven traits and you get to pick two of them and that defines what you're best at. And this character has been uh, brought to the small Appalachian uh, town of Scarlet Hollow, uh, the titular town of the series, and the reason for this being that your aunt has just died. Um, from what I, from what we can gather, it seems like your aunt was probably one of only two living relatives you had left. So your cousin, who is the other living relative you have left, has brought you here to uh, attend the funeral. And when you get there, you quickly fall in with a group of other characters and through various means, you fall into a, uh, a sequence of supernatural horrifying events. And this forms the mystery. What's going on with these uh, supernatural uh, elements and what do they, uh, what do they portend uh, for the town? And that forms the backbone of the plot. You investigating these strange supernatural goings on. Um, how early does the uh, former family come up in the terms of character creation? Um, it, it actually doesn't. Like that's one of the the few things that's absolutely like s stated um, in this. That you you know you you are a scarlet. Um, and the, the introduction lays out, you know, who died, um, that your aunt died, that you're staying with your cousin Tabitha, uh, et cetera. Really the, uh, the character creation itself, um, focuses more in on those traits and mm. kind of more the kind of, how are you going to respond to problems, uh, than anything else? Yeah, I mean, more in the where in the timeline of gameplay does it fall? Like oh, before right. or uh, after character gen? Just after, yeah. It's like brought up very quickly in the intro. Okay, because 
the like the way that I do like role playing character building, that's something mm. I prefer to know up front before yeah. doing anything. That makes sense. Uh, it's it's something that comes up very quickly. So Yeah. Yeah. So having it come after is a little bit weird because then it's like I build a character and then start the game and go, Oh, that doesn't match at all. Let me restart. Yeah. The good news is you wouldn't have to restart after long. <laughs> you'd yeah. uh you'd be back in pretty quick. Well, that is good news. Uh, cool. So, question two. Mm. Hypothetically, our positions are reversed, and I'm guesting on your immensely popular and award-winning podcast. Uh, I've just answered the previous question with your response verbatim. What stood out to you the most? Um, for me, the thing that stands out the most is that trait-based system for character generation. Um, it's something that's, I think, unusual in visual novels. I don't know if there are no other visual novels that do it. I'd be very surprised. But certainly it's unusual for visual novels to let you create a character at all. Normally you're just given a character in, you know, in this scenario. So being able to actually select from this list, and they're, they're things, some of them are very, uh, you know, kind of, Expected. They're things such as powerful build, street smart, book smart, uh, hot. You know, these are things that it's like, oh, yeah, I know people like that. But then you also get ones in there which are uh, talks to animals, mystical uh, as well. So you can have these traits that are really uh, surprising and open up the game in very unusual ways. And it's terrific. It ends up meaning that there's a ton of replay replayability to the game mm, as just well. Just get all the alternate paths, and it's so precise. There are there are absolutely paths which, if you do not pick the exact two trait combinations, you will not be able to go down. You know, like um, because either because it will say, ah, you need these exact two to pass this check, or it will be, oh, you've got one, so you can pass this check, but then there's another check shortly thereafter that will look for a different trait. So to to see absolutely everything that the game has to offer, you would need to play it, I think, 21 times. And that's Ooh, just okay. involving the traits, not not once we get into any choices you make in the game as a as a whole. So creeping up on near automata. It's uh, it's I I mean, it could have more. We don't know. The story hasn't finished yet. And I, yeah, I doubt as, it, as you said, it's still in development. It's still in development. It's in early access. Um, which is again really weird for a narrative focused game. Like that's not typically the kind of games you get into early access. Uh, and one terrific thing is that um, Tony does maintain a, a blog talking about the game development uh, and the business side of it. And he does talk a bit about why they chose early access, which um, it's all really interesting to read. Like if you do get into the game, I do recommend reading uh, his blog posts because it's just a fascinating peek behind the curtain. And the only thing I can think of that even comes close in my mind, I mean, obviously I'm not an expert, is uh, Bendy and the Ink Machine. I have not played it, but uh, I have heard very good things. Because that has that kind of narrative-ish focus, even if it's a, a first-person horror genre. Mm. But that was in early access to release the, the parts as they came out. Yeah, and I mean, in the end, I guess we can we can also argue like to what extent does that 
does that matter? Like it's uh, it's very episodic. Um, literally, episodes come out. There's going to be seven episodes because it's meant to be one per day over the course of a week. Is the story. Um, and, but otherwise it's very similar in a way to like Telltale's kind of formula of, you know, that five episodes, um, released, uh, episodically. I think the big, the only thing that really, um, early release gives to that is that, um, they're prepared to do balance patches and change, you know, uh, tweak the game as it goes along. Well, that was going to be my next sort of thought is, uh, are they retroactively changing what's already released to suit what they're building? Yes. Like- and they actually go into this in uh, some really fascinating detail where they're measuring like uh, choice, the, the number of times choices are made and they have like thresholds for what they think are acceptable. And if, uh, and if a choice gets below, I think it's 20%. Of people picking it, they think that most of the time that means it's a failure of a choice and they need to rework it so that it's a harder choice to make. Uh, and sometimes it's just, it's the art. Uh, without spoiling, there is one choice that has uh, an injury that occurs uh, if you choose in a particular way. And no one was picking the option that, uh, and no one was not picking that option. Everyone was fine with it. And they kind of realized, oh, we were pulling our punch a bit too much. And so they redid the artwork for that choice. And all of a sudden people were like, oh, oh, that's gruesome. Oh, I am not sure I'm okay making that choice anymore. And uh, suddenly I have a better idea of what this horrible thing is. Exactly. And um, it's, it's really funny. Like uh, someone actually did write this, um, post which was just really funny uh and just said lol they did a balance patch for a visual novel (laughs) and it's like yeah i mean they did and it's really good as a result um the the developers are very active the developers uh clearly are listening to the community and yet at the same time they're not feeling beholden to them and i think that's really important there is a story they want to tell and they don't care if the fans are unhappy with that. What they care about is how are the fans responding to it. Mm. And then um, there's there's also the writer in me that's going, okay, well, are they going to be tempted to uh, rewrite and implant seeds that they'd either forgotten about or just not planned because they have the opportunity to build further? Yeah, I mean, how would we ever know? You know, like that's, it's always, uh, there's no real way to know that. Um, I I don't think so. Like, I think that in terms of the story they want to tell, they've been remarkably, you know, resistant to external forces from what it seems. The one exception I will say is this. Um, do you know the YouTuber uh, Super Eyepatch Wolf? Uh, nope. Okay. Um, doesn't really matter who he is, but he gave it a shout out in his uh, Halloween Uh, episode where he does like spooky things I enjoyed and he said specifically of Scarlet Hollow that he thought it was spooky but not scary which I think was kind of a bit of a prevailing sentiment at the time and I can really only imagine um, Abby and Tony hearing that and just Michael Jordan meme and I decided to take that personally because the next episode that came out was just the scariest one they'd ever released by a wide margin and it really felt like they were like, oh, it's not scary enough for you. Okay. Well, perhaps we'll do better. 
<laughs> it's uh yeah, the third episode is legit horrifying. I mean, this is also a topic that's going to come up a fair bit later, is that sometimes you have that sort of building tension to get a payoff. Yeah. So maybe they just got the, the either the pacing wrong or intentionally pasted out to have people going, oh, this isn't scary. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's, it's also about your priorities, I think, in terms of your storytelling. For the first two episodes in particular, I think that, a lot of the focus of the storytelling is establishing the cast, building the character relationships, getting that dynamic right. And as a result, they're prepared to soft pedal the horror a little bit in order to get those elements in place so that you feel attached to the characters. By the third episode, I think they feel they've done that to a large extent and they're able to shift into a higher gear at that point and really start to bring the hammer down on these characters. Hmm. which then differentiates the horror genre from the slasher. Yeah. Slashers, you just get the stereotypes and you get the gore. Yeah, that is is not this. Like, uh, I really do want to establish that they put so much effort into these characters um, and characters are definitely, I, I, I will probably talk about this later, but the characters are just so well drawn, both literally and figuratively uh, in the story. Can you can you hear that? It's like just so much sizzle for later in the episode that we've just dropped here. I know. <laughs> I did turn the heat down or something. Jeez. <laughs> it is it is uh, very much winter here in Australia. Uh, it yeah. is as Ooh. cold as we get. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's probably going to get colder. Yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty miserable looking day. So maybe. Which is appropriate for uh, Scarlet Hollow, where everything is indeed grey because it's all drawn in grayscale. There's the segue. There's the segue. Uh, Question three. Mm. Uh, We can tell that this is a subject that you care about, but what got you to give it a chance in the first place? Uh, So this one's actually pretty straightforward. It's Abby Howard. Um, You, Mm -hmm. I am assuming, because I know that both of us are fans of quality internet uh, sketch comedy team Loading Ready Run. Um, And they did a, a reality TV show with Penny Arcade TV called Strip Search. Uh, and not what you think, not what you think. Uh, it's essentially, uh, America's next top web cartoonist is the, it was the pitch that they, they tossed out a lot. And one of the breakouts, uh, stars of that was, uh, Abby Howard who, um, came in, uh, literally one of the hosts threatened to just throw her out of the competition in favor of anyone else against the rules. And she made it to the final and missed out on winning it by the barest of margins. And she gained a huge fan base, I'm sure, out of that. Uh, And I was one of them. I thought her stuff was incredible. And she is one of the the two developers on this. And uh, just her artwork is so good. And this is some of the best artwork I think she's ever done, particularly her her environments for it. So, um, how how many visual novels have you have you played before? Just out of curiosity. Uh, let me have a quick think. Uh, maybe five or six that I will admit to. 
That's yeah. I mean, look, all I wanted to just kind of make sure was that you you did you that you are uh, familiar with the medium, even if you are not familiar with any media because you've been brought back from being frozen. Um, yes. That uh, you know you've got the two kind of visual elements. You've got your backdrops and you've got your your characters and other objects in the foreground, and that you'll mix those two together in various ways. Um, while the the character art is terrific, um, all the characters are really vividly drawn they're all very distinct there's this terrific um diversity uh in it as well that's something it does really well of um of racial diversity gender diversity uh, body shape diversity um um you know like all the characters look very different and look very human um but the backgrounds are just some of the best work she's ever done they're just these gorgeous environmental pieces that uh, are filled with uh, tiny little background details. Often uh, there, um, there's one particular type of monster that uh, once you've encountered them the first time, I implore you, look in the background of every single shot because you will probably see one of them in, a, in most. There's, you know, just this, you, you look in the background and you're like, oh no, there's another one of them. Uh, and it's, it's terrific art. And so I was just sold by her involvement. And the moment that I learned it had been made, I sadly missed the Kickstarter. I completely just missed it. Uh, but the moment I heard about it, I was like, Abby Howard made a computer game. I'm in. And I mean, it's that very like old school animations mentality, isn't it? Uh, I don't know if it's Disney or Warner Brothers or like Flesher or something, but it's like if every character doesn't have a distinct profile, you're doing yeah. something wrong. Yeah, it's that uh, idea of silhouettes that like you should be able mm. to just make it completely black on white and you should be able to read what they are doing and who they are. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of that. Like all of the, the characters, uh, have different body language. Uh, your cousin Tabitha, um, nearly always has, uh, one or both arms crossing her body. Um, like she'll, she'll make some gestures, but she's got this very closed off, uh, body language, uh, by contrast, uh, Stella, who you meet, um pretty early on is very effusive and um you know really uh really open body language uh as well you know you definitely get a sense of who they are just by how they're posed and it's just wonderful wonderful stuff and that's not even getting into the fact that there's a large cast of animal characters Mm -hmm. uh in this uh story as well because as i mentioned one of the character traits you can pick is talks to animals so all of the animals in the story also have to have unique personalities that come across in the in the art. Yeah, and I mean, I'm already getting an idea of it as a fan of The Last Halloween. I, I, once again, uh, stop that sizzle because uh, you're preempting me on another question coming up. <laughs> Just so much. Oh, it's it, it is it's voting day here actually uh, to to place the time on this. So those democracy sausages. And our uh, foreshadowing is sizzling. And I think that is one of the bigger failings of the global political community is no one else has a democracy sausage. It's Look, it's, it is kind of shocking just to what extent the idea of the democracy sausage has become an Australianism and like an Australian stereotype. I mean, it has become just so well known. 
what, why would you not want to go and get food at the same time you're being coerced into government-mandated uh, participation? Look, we can get into to all of that, but I mean, that's not what this is about. So let's instead start talking about a mining community in slow collapse with no clear leadership. Hmm, exactly. Scarlet not political Hollow. at all. Scarlet Hollow, I mean, here. Yeah. 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 Uh, question four. Sure. Uh, for some people, a sense of community and like-mindedness are integral to their enjoyment of something. To your knowledge, is there a community around Scarlet Hollow that you're aware of? And if so, what are they like? Uh, yeah, there's a there's definitely a very strong community about it. There's a subreddit for Scarlet Hollow that's relatively active, but the main community is the Black Tabby Games uh, Discord server which is uh, Black Tabby Games are the, is the name of the development team uh, for this game. Uh, it's so far their only game. So their server is effectively a Scarlet Hollow server at this time. And the community is terrific. They are, it's because it's a mystery, they're very uh, fan theory focused. Um, and to some degree, this is my one slight criticism, somewhat impenetrable in their fan theorizing in that they mm -hmm. tend to love to give names that are references to other media. See, they're committing the sin of the first episode of this format, but to other media that expl explains kind of where they are. So like one of the main theories is called Balrog theory. There are no Balrogs in uh, Scarlet Hollow that I'm aware of. It's just that that's the name they've chosen for dug too greedily and too deep effectively which is even like a, a trope and like a self-contained thing in and of itself yeah it's um you know it's um and and the theory of course has like specifics to it it's not just you know a general statement um but as a result the theories tend to pick up names like that like balrog theory or werewolf theory and and so forth which means that it can be a bit wait what when you first find them, but it's a really welcoming community. Um, it's uh, the kind of community that puts up a lot of, Hey, don't be a dick here. Are, you know, here's how we expect people to treat each other mm. um, with a lot of respect and a lot of love. Uh, and it, it lives up to it. It's just such a, a wonderfully welcoming community uh, with a, a lot of humor a lot of uh, a lot of banter back and forth, a lot of memes um, about the about the game, and Tony uh, in particular is very active uh, in the community as well. I will tell one little anecdote, which was when episode three dropped. Um, I played through it the night it dropped, of course, because I really was excited, and oh, I I brought up that. At one point, there seemed like a really perfect opportunity for a character with the hot trait to drop a flirt at a particular point, and I was a little disappointed that it wasn't there. And not even joking, the very next response was Tony just posting a gif of uh, from Aladdin of, you know, the genie, kind of your wish is granted. And sure enough, uh, he had already hot-patched the game <laughs> and dropped in not just a flirt, but multiple responses to the flirt from other characters, depending on your previous actions. 
That is some dedication. It really is. And that's kind of what I, I'm just so shocked about this. The thing in the community that you will so often see is people saying, hey, guys, did you know that if you pick these traits and you make this choice, that at this point this happens? People are just finding so many weird little nooks and paths in this game that aren't necessarily like huge plot deviations, but that respond to what you are doing in very surprisingly specific ways. It almost reminds me of Bowl in a way. Like a very impenetrable community, but once you're in, you're, you're in. It's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's, I'd compare it to like, um, and I, I want to stress, I have never, I have never run a tough mother. I am a horribly unfit, but it reminds me of kind of that thing of, you know, you look up and there's this gigantic wall and you're just like, eyes with fear but all of the other people running it with you aren't trying to just get ahead they're holding back and they're holding down arms like come on you can do this you can come up and it's really amazing you'll have to see what's over this wall you know that's the thing there's this big wall at the front but everyone involved wants you to to cross this wall with them yeah and then behind the wall is another wall filled with more mud and they push you down and laugh and yeah uh well, no no what, what? <laughs> Why, why would you even say that, El? I'm sorry. Uh, personal experience. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, question five. There are many aspects of media that resonate differently with different people. What was your favorite part? Okay. Um, so can I, can I answer this um, a couple of times? Feel free. It's basically uh, your your yeah, no, uh, forum. I'm just okay. So first of all, um, in a in a similar way to you, like when I when I first brought up uh, the start of it, you brought up the the value of role play, and I do think that that for me is the favorite part. It is that ability to create a persona and live out a scenario in that persona. Um, and I think it's something that's definitely true of a lot of the community. Like, as I mentioned, you would take 21 playthroughs to get every single combination. Uh, I don't think many people are going to hit 21, but I think nearly everyone who plays this has about four or five um, playthroughs that they are kind of keeping separate and keeping ready to get to the next episode because they want to see where all of the different paths go. But I also think that everyone has a canon playthrough has like their playthrough that is their person in this story um mm. and i do think that's a big part of it kind of creating this character and seeing these interactions um so that's that's a big part of it um and um the other part though and like more specifically uh i'm going to say that uh my other favorite part is in a Talks with Animals playthrough, the third animal whom you will get a chance to talk to, her introduction. It is just the most wonderful, lovely surprise. And I would not dare spoil it, but I will say that uh, of all the ways I expected her to talk, I really, really was not expecting that one. Uh, and the third way, which is less cryptic, so it's a more uh, a more useful one, but also still not trying to spoil. Um, 
there is a, a like the character of Tabitha, who is your cousin, uh, early on. She just right at the very start, she brings you in and she shows you Scarlet Manor, which is this decrepit, literally, it's half falling off the cliff, uh, old manor. And you can approach this scenario either lying your face off to her. Oh, I love it. It's perfect. I couldn't imagine any nicer place to ever live. And if you do that, she will finally call you out on it. She will absolutely let you have it and point out that, you know, you're lying. And then you get the opportunity to lie again. (laughs) That is my favorite bit. Yeah, every leg deserves a good lie, double down. (laughs) Yeah, and I will note, the opposite is true. You can actually call her out on just, you know, how horrible she's being. And surprisingly enough, it gets a positive response, which is one of the lovely things about it. The characters are complexly enough written that you can't just play nice. You know, like, honesty actually gets rewarded in the game because people can tell when you're being phony. And it's, yeah, it's just really well written. Um, There are so many uh, wonderful moments. Um, When you meet Dustin, you will see why he's a fan favourite. But yeah, it's it's hard to pick a moment. So I will simply state that my favorite moment, my favorite bit, is that ability to create a persona to live as in this world. And see, so that is very interesting to me because the way I play games sometimes is uh, inserting a different character who is completely unrelated. Mm. It's like, okay, I am in this situation. I have no idea what's going on. I will do the best I can. It's, I, I will I will spoil it just very slightly, and I will note that uh, one thing the game does, which is kind of a little little bit of a trick, is that while it has its character generation with like your traits and your name and your gender... Um, by the way, I should also mention um, male, female, or non-binary genders uh, at character creation are available. Um, and... Um, but a little way into the game, one of the characters will actually start to say, so tell me about yourself. And that's kind of where the remainder of the character generation comes in. Like you get to actually pick, this is who I am. This is my job. This is some of my backstory. Uh, yeah. so, so to kind of get to your point of, you know, like how, how, you know, much back, how much of the world building do I get before I have to commit to a character? It actually does kind of give you that kind of dynamic a little bit. It's just doing it in a, in a slightly roundabout way. Hmm. Whereas you get things like, uh, off, like just off the top of my head, like Dragon Age, where it's like, oh, here is your character created. Please select these backgrounds. All right, there you go. You're done. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong. I, I love Dragon Age Origins, and I love Dragon Age 2 even more. Um, but, yeah, the uh, you really have to kind of commit to your concept before you even know what you're getting into in those games. And even with those games, it's like it's fully voice acted. So your headcanon could be completely different just based off the voice. Yeah. it's And it is so interesting, actually, like in the way that you do develop that headcanon. Even even if it never comes up in play, you know your character's backstory. Uh, The Saints Row games are excellent at this, actually, of leaving your character empty enough, but with enough little details 
that you can kind of construct around them as you see fit. And that game also gives you the benefit of having like seven voices to pick mm. from. So you can just pick the one that you, you like. Yeah, I didn't realize it at the time when I was playing, but I inadvertently picked the Laura Bailey voice that basically every time. Well, why wouldn't you? She is the second best voice actress on the planet. And I mean, like, because some people prefer having uh, Nolan North as Nolan North or the <laughs> zombie. Look, the, the zombie in particular is amazing. Like, if you haven't done a, a, a zombie run of Saints Row, you really owe it to yourself to. Oh, what's his name? Uh, he's the guy that voices Vegeta in Dragon Ball. I I would not know, I'm afraid. Chris I'm sorry. Something or other. But yeah, he's the voice of the zombie. Oh, that's fantastic. I didn't know that. And I know there's a point where like, there's an individual line for each character. It's like, oh, what's your biggest regret? Or <clears throat> something like that. Yeah. Like a confession or whatever. And the zombies is great. Yep. Zombie actually gets like a fully perfectly worded out one. My favorite my favorite one for there and spoilers for Saints Row the Third, I guess, but is just the uh the character who uh gets to deliver the line. Um, you know, is there anything you wish you you'd uh, done was I want to make love to uh Pierce in front of a live studio audience, which is first of all a great line in and of itself, but even more funny when no matter what you say, the very next line is Pierce declaring, Cool. I, the nerd that I am, I went through and compiled the list of all those responses. Yep. Again, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, The so since we're on spoilers for Saints Row 3, apparently, in this completely unrelated recommendation yep. review, um, yeah, the zombies is, r- I'm fluent in seven languages. There we go. That <laughs> starts off with that, <laughs> that you're used to already. Oh, God, what were we even talking yeah, That's right. This, this dumb show that I do. <laughs> it is a wonderful show. I'm not just an enemy. I'm also a listener. Uh, a frenemy, if you will. Nah. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% enemy. Yeah, makes sense. I deserve it. You deserve <laughs> it. Uh, question six. Following on from the previous question, whatever the hell that was, yeah. what do you think will appeal most to the general public? Uh, and look, actually coming straight in on that, art characters. Um, I mean, part of me wants to say, I don't know, the general public is a big group. But I, I think the answer is the characters. Um, so Scarlet Hollow has a, 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 a very diverse bunch of, of characters, um, including your cousin Tabitha. Um, there's this uh, old lady, Sybil, who's very important to the story. Uh, there's a um, uh, this young girl, Rosalina, who is probably my favorite minor character. Um, she's, she's wonderful. Um, but... In particular, there are there are five kind of core NPCs, um, and this is actually a bit of an artifact of the game's development. It was originally going to be a romance uh, game, and somewhere along the line, they realized, no, we're going to be true to ourselves and make it a horror story because that's what we know and what we do well. But these five characters who were the romance options in the original conception of it, as I understand... Um, remained and they are there is still there are still romance options in there though i believe they are completely skippable um it's a completely optional part of the game um and these five characters in particular are just 
so personable and so fleshed out that I'm really sure everyone's going to have um, a one that they really respond to. There's um, Stella, who is uh, a YouTuber. She's got a, a YouTube channel about cryptids, and she's this bubbly, effusive. Uh, she's the kind of character who you describe as a lot, and uh, <laughs> you know, and she she is the kind of person who will meet you and then immediately say, "Hey, you should come with me into the woods." And uh, and do a YouTube video with me within you know minutes of meeting you, um, and uh, then you have uh, Kanika who is um, a uh, a goth woman, um, and she is uh, very skeptical. Uh, she's got kind of a real uh, Agent Scully kind of thing going on, um, if I'm permitted to, to reference another form of media at this point, but she's a definite uh, yeah. Scully personality. Um, but she's also got this uh, this lovely um, snarkiness to her. And it's kind of lovely to have the character who's dressed up in all the goth outfits, etc., be the voice of reason, as opposed to the creepy mystical one. You know, she's like, no, 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 this is nonsense. Um there's Oscar, who is the town's librarian, and he's this uh, reserved, um, this kind of reserved, comfortable presence. You know, the kind of person who just makes everyone feel comfortable the moment that they're they're around. Very even tempered, very gentle. Um, Avery uh, is a waiter um, at the uh, the local diner, and they're also very similar, but they're kind of laid back. You know, there's a real super chill vibe with Avery. They've got that kind of real, I'm very mellow kind of personality. Uh, and finally, there's Reese, who is the uh, tortured artiste uh, of the group, um, uh, who he has health problems and, um, we don't, you don't actually meet him until episode three, but even though he is, um, he's personable and fairly friendly, but you can sense an anger going on with him. And, uh, I, I definitely feel he's there for the kind of people who want someone with a bit more darkness, uh, to the storyline. And, and as we've previously discussed, each one is a very distinct silhouette. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, um, you are not going to confuse Oscar and and Reese. You know, uh, Oscar is a very is a very big man, um, and uh, and Reese is this you know rail thin uh, figure, and they again both have very different mannerisms as well. Reese seems to have uh, one hand permanently affixed to the back of his head. Uh, you know that kind of person who they're always rubbing the back of their head at every you know available motion because it's always this. Well, this is how I show I feel uncomfortable, and I feel uncomfortable more often than not. Um, you know, Reese has that absolutely going on. Yeah, and yeah, I do know a few of those people. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think we all do. I think we all do, and I guess that's the thing. It's like they feel real. You know, all of these people feel like people that you could not just go walk down the street and meet, but people who you'd like to meet. 
And I think that's why, I think that's what gives it its real power. Uh, the horror is terrific. Um, the monster design is uh, incredible. Uh, for anyone who has played the game, they will understand immediately what I say, what I mean when I say the character design is amazing. Squelch. Um, but all of the, um, the people involved feel very real and feel like people you want to get to know. And as a result, by the third episode, when things are starting to get real, are people who you really don't want to see hurt. And I'm getting very afraid for when we start to get to the choices where I have a feeling I'm going to be forced to choose who gets hurt. It's like, uh, but I'd love all of them and want all of them to do well. Exactly. Um, And actually, calling back to Dragon Age, um, it's worth noting that Tony specifically called out Dragon Age as a game which did a choice very badly because there's a way out of it without hurting anyone. And said, yeah, we're not going to do that. Yeah, you, it is kind of taking the, the easy way out doing that. Yeah, in this one, it's like, oh, no, no, no. But actually, and just to deviate here, um, one, one cool little feature of the trait system. Um, basically, every trait acts as one get-out-of-jail-free card. So there is a big decision generally at the end of every episode because you're going to finish with Climax. So, of course, you throw the toughest, hardest decision at the end. And generally, every single trait will give you the ability to say, no, we get a good outcome today, but only for one episode. And remember, you only get to pick two of the seven traits. Mm -hmm. So there is this real horror, actually, when you get given that option, where, where you suddenly realize, oh, I'm out of options now. I have to wear every last one of them that comes down the pike from this point in, and the stakes are only getting higher. Yeah. Oh, no. And then if, if you have even, like, one in your back pocket, you're like, is this bad enough? Yeah, but but the thing is, you don't get to choose when to use it. It's it. Do you oh. have this trait? This is your chance to get out of jail free. Uh, um, see, so- I, I was assuming they had, like... Just the the get out of jail free card no, option for all of no, the traits. You can't, you can't save those it. big choices. Yeah, no, you can't save it. Each each big of the seven big choices that will happen at the end of each episode, one trait will unlock a golden ending on them. And it's a different one each time. But it Ooh. means that when you use up one of them, you suddenly realize, oh, and now I'm defenseless. Oh no. Yep. <laughs> Yep. It's it's this wonderful thing of elation of, I get to use my trait! And, oh no, I just used my trait. <laughs> oh, oh no, they're asking me to use it. Yeah. And it's great. It's, um you know, the choices feel consequential. Um, depending on what you do, entire characters will vanish from the plot. Um, there will be, in, in one option, a, a character who is in most scenes of the game, otherwise will vanish from the plot. Um, People will be hurt that you really, really wish would not get hurt. Um, 
and you yourself will be asked to make tremendous sacrifices or allow bad things to happen. Like, the choices hit hard. They're really good. Yeah, there's no three-coloured button on this one. This one, yeah, you do not decide the fate of the universe by deciding the colour of the explosion. (laughs) Um, You know, you you make uh, choices that really do make you think, oh, God, did I make the right choice? And just touching on that, it, as a, from a personal point of view, I still don't understand the need for the rewrite that they did because oh, everything yeah. everything was there. You just have to pay attention. And then people were like, oh, I don't get it. So they made everything more explicit than it ever needed to be. Yeah, there were there were choices like early on in the rewrite that I kind of liked. You know, some things that, at least stitched together the course of events in a way that made a little bit more sense. Like what happened to these people? Were they right at the center of it? You know, things like that, where I was like, wait, what's going on? Um, I'm pretty sure it doesn't matter because I'm pretty sure everyone I've ever cared about just died anyway. Um, So, you know, some stitching together there was probably good, but look, that ending had problems that were bigger than any rewrite to just that scene could cause. And uh, actually, and you know what, tying it back in, watch me do this. I think that's actually the biggest biggest thing that Scarlet Hollow, so far, like four episodes to go, but so far has done really well. There is a genuine sense of a plan. There is a genuine sense of we know what we're aiming for and we are actively putting in the work to build to it. And so as a result, I'm hopeful that when we get to that final episode, it's not going to have that tacked-on feel. Hmm. And I even brought up in the last episode the MCU. Mm. Like It feels like they might have had a plan at some point, and now they do not, and everything's getting weird and confused. Yeah, it definitely feels disorganized at, uh, Whereas- at this point, yeah. Whereas you're saying with this, it sounds like they have their plan and they're committing to it. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely feels like the, that we don't understand the mysteries at the heart of the at the heart of the story. But I am confident that Abby and Tony do. Hmm. And that's all you can hope for, really, is that the people guiding you through know where they're going. Yeah, and and um. And also to that end, I will say, and understand that their goal is to put you through a to put you through very wonderful scenarios and very terrible scenarios, and are going to give you both. It, I think I can't remember if it's like an old song or something, but it's like you can't get to heaven unless you go through hell. Oh yeah, um, uh, and you can. Uh, uh, you can ha- uh, and you can find heaven if you can handle hell. Mm. Um, it's uh, the Whitlams. Um, the song is uh, following my own tracks. There you go. Uh, some more, <laughs> some more Aussie references for you. Yeah, there we go. Uh, question seven: mm-hmm. Say that I do end up enjoying this because of your excellent recommendation. What would be your number one follow-up? All right, let's pick up that sizzle that we uh, we left early because uh, you mentioned the long Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Abby Howard is first and foremost um, a cartoonist and comics writer. 
And uh, she has done probably more, she's probably best known for two things. The first one is her um, journal-style comic, Junior Scientist Power Hour, um, which is very funny, um, but has been a bit of a backseat in her, her projects for a while. Uh, but her, her main project in the comic space has been horror. And I'm not going to recommend uh, The Last Halloween. I'm actually going to recommend um, an anthology she did recently called The Crossroads at Midnight. And The Crossroads at Midnight is a collection of five uh, horror short stories, all loosely based around the theme of what happens when we seek comfort in or from the dark. And it's all of her art and it's just gorgeous and stunning and, um, you know, filled with the kind of little character details that she does so well. The storytelling is fantastic. Uh, Mattress used legitimately creeped me the hell out. Um, and so, yeah, if you like Scarlet Hollow, I would say go and read that because if you like Scarlet Hollow, you will very much like, uh, the crossroads at midnight. Um, but the other thing which I would recommend, because I am realizing I'm saying, well, if you like playing this game, don't play another game. Uh, I will also recommend, um, funnily enough, the uh, games from uh, Choice of Games, who are a uh, basically uh, make choose-your-own-adventure books for digital devices. No yeah. art, no uh, no gameplay elements beyond picking options. So kind of visual novel-like in that respect. It's just, you know, pick from a list. But much like Scarlet Hollow have a solid trait system, so there's actual systems underneath it, not just make these choices. Like there's stats that it's checking against and think, taking into account the choices that you've made as a result. Uh, much like Scarlet Hollow, they usually have romance options, but they're entirely skippable. And for you specifically, L, uh, I am going to recommend their uh, game Slammed because it is mm -hmm. a uh, choose-your-own-adventure professional wrestling yeah, uh, I've played it a couple of times, actually. And it's one of their best. It's legitimately yeah. a really fun fun tale. Uh, God, the, the one of the endings I got in that is just like, I could just see that happening in real life, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, like it's... Uh, so here we go. D tangents upon tangents. Uh, the author of that book did actually mention not that long ago that uh, enough has changed in professional wrestling that they could finally see doing a sequel to that book. So yep. fingers crossed. Because I think one of the endings of that, spoilers for Slammed, I guess, that, that's the stage that yep. we're at now, uh, yep. is that you're fighting to compete at essentially WrestleMania against essentially Triple H. Mm -hmm. And you could just have your career or potentially life ended because he uses a sledgehammer. Yeah, or alternatively, you can actually just knock him out with one punch. Yeah. <laughs> if you've built up the choices that would unlock that. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, so I'd recommend either of those two paths. Um, if it's the art and the story and the team that is what really responds to you in uh, Scarlet Hollow, check out The Crossroads at Midnight, which is just, it's wonderful. Uh, if it's the gameplay style, I'd say check out Choice of Games because they've got a ton of games that follow the gameplay formula of this fairly similarly. 
Yeah, and I think they're like a, a dollar or two, if that, on various uh, mobile devices. No, they're generally a bit more expensive than that. They're about $8 or so, uh, Australian. Um, which I'm perfectly happy to to do. They're like you know they're each about a few hundred thousand words each, so you know they're a full they're a full book. I'm I'm happy to to you know pay that eight bucks. Hmm. Okay. I guess they've gone up a bit then since. Hmm. I don't have my phone with me, so I can't check the price sadly. But I'm pretty sure they're like about eight dollars or so. Me. Yeah. Have a quick look while I'm here. Might as well. Editing is fun. Um, the most recent ones are like fifteen dollars, but other than that, they're like about the ten dollar mark Australian. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. About that. Worth it though. They're 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 fun. I do highly recommend them. Yeah. Uh, question eight. Sometimes our engagement with a piece of media comes from a position of relativity. Did you have a character that you related to? And if so, what drew you to them? Hmm. Don't um, cheat and say the player character because that's by design. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. Um, no, the other, the, the obvious cheat would me to say Oscar because he's a librarian. Um, but no, I'm actually going to say that the character who I probably relate to the most is uh, Kanika. Um, and the reason is that Kanika has that same personality trait that I have of always trying to to rationalize, always trying to, you know, say, well, come on, that can't be it. It's got to be the, you know, this other completely rational um, argument. Uh, even as Occam's razor starts to become incredibly sharp towards its supernatural Kanika, it's obviously supernatural Kanika, your rational explanations are becoming less plausible than supernatural, Kanika. And that's kind of lovely. Um, and it helps that she doesn't become dogmatic about it. Like, she she will reach points where she's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I found that very relatable. Um, she's... And this is not to me. I've actually, I've been fortunate enough to have a really wonderful family life. But I think that she will also relate to a lot of other people in that um, she does have a lot of um, a lot of family troubles and a lot of um, issues around how she relates to her family that make her not just relatable on that kind of, you know, I feel like this person all of the time, but distinctive and living. She's got a real sense of that she's got her own story that you are happening to cross paths with. Uh, and I really like that. Yeah. I mean, it sounds very good and I'm excited to see my take on it, basically. As, as am I. <laughs> I'm curious. Can I, can I double all the way back to, uh, to the very start of it? Like you, you asked me if 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 you had given the description I gave, what stood out, what would stand out to to me the most? What stands out to you about this the most? I'm I'm genuinely curious. Uh, from what's been built up, just how in depth the characters are, hmm. because with even with visual novels, it's easy enough to slap a stereotype on it and call it a day. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that so much care seems to have been put into it means that there's there is something special to it 
Yeah, and I'd say that that's it. All it's very curious about all of the characters, whether that's um, Oscar's um, living situation, uh, or whether that's Avery's um, odd one out. Um, aspects. Um, Avery, by the way, is a, a non-binary character, and I really love the way that the the game parallels being the new person in town, and that feeling of being the odd one out as a way to kind of talk about gender issues without talking about gender issues. Um, Which like I, I mean, I obviously don't want to assume, but I have a feeling will probably hit a little bit different for me than for you. That was actually kind of where I was leading in. Like, I yeah. have a feeling that Avery may be a character that you relate to uh, strongly as a result. And as uh, as and as an aside to the aside, uh, it's worth noting that uh, Tony um, has stated that Avery was redesigned fairly early on to actually match uh, his experiences of uh, gender. Uh, and so Avery is very much informed by his experience. Neat. Hmm. Uh, question nine. A lot of these types of interviews rely on the question of what would you bring with you to a desert island in order to get to know a person? But that's hmm. not this show. No. What we ask instead is to picture this scenario. We're on a deserted island with no hope of rescue, but food, water, shelter, and everything like that has been taken care of so that you won't succumb before your natural time also been provided a single piece of media and the means to engage with it for you it is scarlet hollow how frequently do you utilize it and how long would it take for you to be sick of it so based on the way this has been asked in previous episodes i'm assuming i only get the first three episodes of scarlet hollow i never get to find out how the story ends yep okay so i play no scarlet hollow because i'm too obsessed with trying to escape the island in order to find out how the story ends but Taking out that option. Uh, my, my second snarky option is going to be exactly 126 hours of play. Because 21 playthroughs and roughly six hours to get through three episodes each. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, but no, I think, the, I think the actual answer is that it would be a thing that I'd keep coming back to. I think I'd play it like the full thing through in a, in a day. Um, and then I'd probably leave it aside for a week or two and then I'd come back and I'd try a different combination and I'd do it again and then I'd come back another couple of weeks later. It's this thing that I don't know that it would be a game I would just like mainline because in the end, the whole story that we have so far is about only six hours long. It's not something that you can binge beyond that. But at the same time, especially if I am trapped alone on this island, these people are going to become my friends. And I'm just yeah, going to keep coming back to, to say hi. Yeah, you're going to get your own Wilsons. I'm going, to get, I'm going to get my own Wilsons. And my Wilson is going to be a possum living in a drawer with broken English. <laughs> so I guess spoiling what you didn't want to try and spoil as much earlier. Look, I'm not sa- that is not the character I was talking about. I'll say that much. Is there enough story in just the three chapters to spin off into your own, like, thoughts and creation? Yeah, like, I mean, I could certainly take, you know, kind of guesses and, um, you know, assuming I also get a word processor, I could, you know, start typing down kind of, you know, my 
opinion of where I imagine the story would go. But I don't know that that would end up being satisfying because it is a mystery and Mm. so much of the appeal is trying to... I mean, that's why the fan community is so heavily theorizing, you know, all the time. Like, fan theories is a huge part of it because we're all trying to figure out, like, what's going on with these expletive deleted sound effects so that I'm not spoiling. Uh, You know, um, all of these various elements that are in the story. And if there is in fact a fear that I have with Scarlet Hollow is that it is that I wonder to what extent I will want to play it again after the final episode comes out. Not because I think they'll do it badly, but because without that driving mystery Mm. to make me want to keep coming back to it, I wonder if that will be the point where I, it feels closed and that it will be time to move on, which is not a bad thing. Um, You know, like, there's usually a time to put aside a piece of media and say, you know what? I'm done with that. I loved it. It was great, but I'm done. So maybe that'll be then. I think that's an interesting perspective for this question when you do have a piece of media that is incomplete. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, is there enough of what I've already got to sustain my interest based off my own creativity? Or is it something that is implicitly needing completion? I I think that that's something that says more about the person than it does the media. Mm. Um, for me, probably not. I have a feeling that without that, you know, without being able to look forward to discover if my theories were right, I don't think that it would keep me motivated to just keep spinning theories myself. But, but I... Then you- you also have the flip side of that is once the theories either get proved or disproved, can you still make more? Like, at, as you were saying, at the end yeah. of the day, is this going to be something that you want to come back to knowing the ending, essentially? Yeah, and, and I don't know. It's uh, I'm not there yet. Uh, and if they keep coming out uh, one per year, which they've said they want to try and get it up to two per year, but um, or at least they've said they want to get the fourth episode out still this year the last one came out in March, Um, you know, it's going to be minimum 2025, 2026 when that happens. Um, But we'll see. And I do know that I am really going to enjoy the ride along the way. Yeah. Uh, That is all the questions I had. So thank you for indulging me. No, not a problem. It's, uh, It's been wonderful to be here. Hopefully that's given people a little bit of a deeper insight into your perspective. I hope so. So before I ruin the show by talking for myself for a bit, it's <gasps> time for everyone's favorite part, a word from the sponsors. Oh, I love it. I love a word from the sponsors. It's so good. Thank you, sponsors. I. It's very hard to say that I don't, I thought that you were going to do your best last time, but here we are. I didn't even know that casinos could own militaries. I mean, depends on the casino, I think. Yeah, just, wow. Either way, don't support them. No, no. I I mean, do support this particular one just because they are our sponsors. But, you know, but in general, don't. Yes, exactly. 
Yeah. Uh, so I have a follow-up review from last episode's Enemy of the Show and self-proclaimed evil entity architecture obsessee, mm-hmm. Jeremy, and his recommendation of The Night House. Is this something that you're familiar with? Uh, only insofar as it was discussed in the last episode. Uh, I haven't seen it. And in fact, I'd never heard of it before then. Mm. I mean, yeah, it's as like an indie film almost. It's like mm. it, a little bit unsurprising that it's not heard of. Yeah. But I do hate to be a downer, but I don't know. If, I don't know if it's just me and like not being exposed to as much. But it felt like it was missing half of the movie, mm. at least. Like I was settled in. I I'm told to expect a bit of a slow build. Okay, yep, it's building up. Okay, we're getting right into where the second act would kick off, and credits start rolling. Ah. Uh. Like, okay, was... so where is the the payoff for all of this? Oh, that was it. Oh, that's weird. It uh, it slow rolled right past the story as a whole. Yeah, and it's like uh, there were moments that could be considered jump scares for, but for me, it's just like yeah, that's kind of how the story should be going at this point. Yeah, it was kind of expected, sort of moments of like oh yeah, rather than huh. Do so from what I remember of the last episode, like um the the themes of trauma and grief were mm. were really kind of central to to the story that was being told there. Um is it that those themes weren't explored in ways that produced dread, produced fear? Um, or is it just that um while they were being explored there was just nothing on the kind of the plot level, like the actual story level, the the front facing elements of it to really draw you in. Yeah. So that's, that's where it gets tricky because as I said, I'm not well versed in horror as a genre or movies, particularly. This is why I started the podcast. Yeah. Um, it felt like you still got those central themes, but they were still on a slow build. Like you just it was dropping little bits and pieces like breadcrumbs. Yeah. When theoretically I should have been reading more into it to like enact those as plot points mm. rather than building points, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I think I do. And I mean, some, some media does have that kind of puzzle box component to it where the you know, where the story won't reveal itself to you unless you put in the work to find it. And that can be satisfying. But if you're going to tell that kind of story, you need to make it very, very clear to the audience that that's what's being expected of them. Well, it's also like uh, model making in a way. It's like uh, for some people, the making of the model is part of the enjoyment. Whereas for others, the owning of a model that is finished is the enjoyment. Yeah. I think the way that I interpreted it, it was like I was looking forward to the finished product of the plot point building rather than uh, the building itself. Yeah. No, I can understand that. So, unfortunately, if I were being very charitable, I would give it a one out of five. Oof. Yeah, they are not going to put that on the box on the, that uh, on the box. Uh, I'm afraid. With some very clever editing, maybe. But I doubt <laughs> it. 
what was that one comedy show that ended up getting a two star review? But the way they uh, built the poster, it looked like it, it was another five star, like everything else. Oh, I I don't know, but like I know the the phenomena. But it's like the the poster for it has two guys standing next to each other and just like a wall of five star reviews behind them. But mm. the way that they're positioned, they're there's a two star review right in the middle. <laughs> But it looks like their arms are cutting off the other three stars that you just don't get to see. Don't that's, worry about it. That's freaking hilarious. Um, and it's so pointless. If you're really that concerned about it, just make up a critic. Like, movie studios have done it before. Yeah. Or if you're ashamed about being found out, you just Alan Smithy it. Yeah. Like, uh, well, I, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, like it's it's always sucks when there's a piece of media and you just find that you don't relate to it. Uh, okay, here I did find one that I was thinking of as well for Bug Snacks, the PS5 yep. game. Yep. Uh, with some clever editing, the review reads: "Looks like honestly one of the best games for the PS5." The full mm-hmm. sentence that that was cut down from is. Looks like shit, honestly, but for a window of several weeks, it will be one of the nine best games for the PS5. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, oh, come on, props for that at least. Like one could argue, well, technically that is in fact exactly the message that he said. Looks like one of the best games for the PS5. Just that's more a comment on the PS5 than the game. (laughs) Uh. So now, before we wrap up this, the final ever episode of Check This Out for this recording session, and 19th time I've made that joke. Why why are you filling this professional recording booth that we are in with lies, El? Eh, I I like the decoration. You you have not made that joke 19 times. Andrew made that joke one of those times. Fair. All right. It is the 18th time you've made that joke. Plus, I think lies have very good soundproofing. Lies are great soundproofing. Like, you've got so many lies strapped to the walls here. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, look at this one. That, we need to get that to the press. Yeah, they'll believe a lie. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, Could you tell the audience where they might find you online and or if you have anything to advertise? Uh, on the uh, on the topic of lies, uh, no, actually, this is the truth. Uh, nowhere. I'm nowhere. Uh, I have no social media presence. You can't find me. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the same choice. Mm. Anything no, to advertise I, while you're at it? Go vote. Uh, the, by the time you hear this, it will be long past the point where you can vote, but... Uh, if 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 there is a vote, if there is an election happening near you when you hear this, like, go vote. It's it's important. Yeah, I mean, other places in the world, uh, apparently, it's a choice. Here, it's a fifty dollar fine if you don't. But I don't care. Go do it. It's important. Yeah. You the uh, the fact that you're allowed to do it at all is a remarkable privilege. Go do it. I, my uncle just calls it the idiot tax because it's like, I'd hate all of these idiots. I will pay $50 not to have my voice in any of their heads. Yeah, but it's also you're the idiot because just go down and draw a dick and balls on the ballot paper and go. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, I've been Al. I continue to be Sean, inexplicably. And this has been Check This Out, a podcast of media positivity. And remember, you can't make an omelette without burning a few bridges.